0: You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future. But
1: until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. The scripture today is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. May God bless the reading of his word.
0: Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much just for this new year. God, we look forward to see your faithfulness and your goodness once again. And Lord, in this time, as we listen to your word, may you speak through me, and that you can... um, Help us to learn what you have in store in the scriptures for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of you may know I got married around five months ago, and I've quickly realized that many times saying sorry is one of the hardest things to do. I am a type of person who's so prone to getting so tunnel-visioned, and when I'm focused on a task, that is the only thing I'm thinking about. I'm the worst at multitasking, and I can't get my mind off of those things until they're done. And early on in our marriage, I started school, and the busyness of school picked up, and Anna would wanna speak to me and hang out with me, but my mind would be somewhere else. Oh, Anna's my wife, by the way. Um, Anna would wanna spend time with me, but I would always make excuses of wanting to finish that assignment or doing those readings. And you, I could see her frustration And after many heart-to-heart conversations, she would express that she felt disregarded and unimportant. And wow, those words cut deep. Repentance is very difficult. Excuses can be made, but they do not help. Repentance is the only way forward when we've done something wrong. And this is the reality for us that we are a people so prone to making excuses, so prone to make presumptions, we all need to repent and confess our sins and seek forgiveness. In our text today, we encounter a people, the people of God, Israel, who also need to repent. These people were the people that God would bless, make a great name out of them, and that they would be a blessing to the nations as long as they would obey and stay loyal to their God. But there is also warnings that if they were to disobey and to be disloyal, that there would be wrath and judgment that will come upon them. And what do we see happening in Israel's history? Well, they disobey and they're disloyal and they rebel. They're exiled from the promised land that they were given from God, and close to around 600 years, they were conquered by various nations. And in this time in history in our text today in Matthew, the Roman Empire is the one occupying them. God seemed to have gone silent. The gap between the last prophecy given to Israel in Malachi to these very moments in Matthew's gospel was around 400 years, 400 years of silence. And we begin to see God speaking to His people again. And here we see John the Baptist entering the scene preaching, "To God's people, repent." For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And although this message was preached long ago, I would like to argue that this is the exact same message that the people of God need to hear as well. This is a message for you and I, the church. For we too, like Israel, have gone astray, rebelled, and have sinned against God. And this morning, God is telling us to repent. And to help us understand our text, we'll be looking at three questions. Who is John the Baptist? Why did he come? And what does his message mean? First, let's look at the first question. Who is John the Baptist? In God's unfolding story of redemption, we see a man entering this story. Right before Jesus is baptized and begins his ministry, John the Baptist is the one who comes before him. And in our text today, we see that Matthew is trying to tell us that John the Baptist is the one whom the prophet Elijah was prophesying about. Verse 3 in our text is a quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. We also see a similar text found in the book of Malachi. Malachi 3.1 says that God will send someone who will come to prepare a way for him. And this someone who would come would be the prophet Elijah. And how do we know this? Well, if you look at the next chapter, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Even the attire of John the Baptist is much like Elijah. If you look at verse 4 in our text, he wore garments of camel hairs and a leather belt around his waist. This is the exact same attire we find Elijah wearing in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8. And it was believed in the Jewish faith that before the Messiah would come to save the chosen people of God, that God would send the prophet Elijah to make a way for him, preparing a way for him. And Matthew is trying to make a direct claim here that John the Baptist, I hope you can see, that he is this prophet Elijah, that he is the one who comes in the spirit of Elijah crying out from the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, he is Elijah. This is who John is, but why did he come? Well, we see in our text today that um, word has gotten out that people in Jerusalem, all of Judea, and various regions of the Jordan heard of a man in the wilderness preaching. He seemed to have preached like Elijah, he sure did look like Elijah. When I was a kid, I got lost in a Toronto Zoo washroom, and little did I know that there was two entrances. I went through one after finished the washroom. I forgot which way I came through. I exited, expecting to see my parents, but they weren't there. And you, you could imagine a kid who expects to see their parents and not seeing them. The panic and the fear that I felt, the tears running down my face. Mom, Dad, where are you? And instead of walking back into the washroom, remembering that there is another door, I wandered further and further away from the washroom, thinking maybe my parents had forgotten me, maybe my parents abandoned me. And after a few moments, which felt like a really long time, but it was probably only four to five minutes, a security guard found me, brought me to the entrance of the Toronto Zoo, and after another few moments, my parents would find me. Friends, I think in a very similar way, The nation of Israel, after 400 years of silence, may have felt that God had forgotten them, perhaps abandoned them. They felt quite lost, wondering where God is. But you see, when that security guard found me, I knew that all hope wasn't lost. I wonder, when they heard of a man named John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, that they remembered these verses like Isaiah 40 like Malachi. Could this be Elijah preparing the way of the Lord? Some might have asked. He sure did preach like him. He sure did dress like him. And it was him. God has not forgotten his people. God has not abandoned them, even after 400 years. And for many of you, I don't know what your 2022 looked like. Perhaps it felt like God was quite silent. But today we read about a God who was ever faithful and ever good. And this is the same God that we encounter as well. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises are yes and amen. His steadfast love endures forever. And even in the silence, he is working all things for the good of those who love him. Friends, I hope and pray that maybe this past year, 2022, if God was silent that we could see that he is ever faithful never true, that John's message of repentance is an invitation for us to really recognize that today. However, our story moves forward. We see John the Baptist, as his name would suggest, was baptizing people who were coming to him confessing their sins. There was a certain ritual back then that when a Gentile, a non-Jew, wanted to be baptized or wanted to convert to the Jewish faith, they would have to go through a process of baptism, a a ritual cleansing, if you may. And upon conversion, they would be dunked into the water as a sign of the washing away of their sins. And there's much debate of whether or not John the Baptist was doing this exact same baptism, but we do see some similarities. John the Baptist is baptizing people who recognize a sincere need and forgiveness of God and a need of grace. Those who want to be restored in good standings with God was coming to him. And how do we know this? Well, we see John the Baptist actually rejecting and calling out the hypocrisy of two distinct parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these are the people, the religious leaders and the political leaders of Israel. John calls them out and says, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath of God? quite an aggressive claim, but an urgent one. You see, this baptism was for those who genuinely believed that they needed forgiveness. They needed the Lord, the desperate, the people who recognize that they were helpless. They needed forgiveness because they know that they've gone astray and sinned against God. But these religious leaders approaching John did not think in this way. They were the ones with great power impiety. They would assume that because they were the chosen people of God, from the line of Abraham, children of Abraham, that they were automatically the people of God. They could trace their ancestry right down to Abraham. But John simply did not care. He knows that he could, God could even raise stones up to be children of Abraham. Friends, I'd like to suggest that maybe at times we're no different from these Pharisees. In many ways, we assume that we're in good standings with God. We go to church, we read our Bible, we pray, we take communion, we do all the XYZs of the Christian faith. We presume that doing certain things, acting a certain way, saying the right words, maybe would be pleasing to God. We grow complacent and numb to the wrongs that we commit, so fixated on these quote unquote good things that we do. And truly, this, these were the attitudes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Brothers and sisters, how have you turned away from the Lord? How have you grown numb to sins that perhaps we've grieved over in the past? Would you hear God's invitation for you to come to him this morning to seek forgiveness, a repentant heart? And then let us make the honest confession, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In verse 10, we're told a terrifying warning to those who do not repent from their former ways of life. John tells them that they are like trees ready to be cut down, that the ax is at the root of the tree. And the trees that do not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is clear imagery of the coming judgment and wrath of God to come to those who ignore this message of repentance. May we heed God's warning to us even this morning. For those who do not bear good fruit, we will be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is the way John the Baptist comes to prepare the way of the Lord to preach this message of repentance, calling those who are far off and near to see the most wicked and grievous sins in their lives and to turn to God for his amazing grace. This is why he comes, but what does this message mean? Our text today we see in John the Baptist telling us that he has come to baptize those who confess their sins with a water for repentance. But this is only a prelude to the one, this mightier one, whose sandals he is not even worthy of carry, would come, baptizing with the Holy Spirit in fire. The mightier one is Jesus Christ, who comes and sends his spirits to God's people and makes a dwelling place there. The water of baptism declares the outward sign of God's promise, and the Holy Spirit in fire is the baptism that resembles and is the internal work of the Holy Spirit. To be baptized by fire should be thought of as a refiner's fire, like a piece of gold being refined, the pollutants and the purities burned away while it's purified. And this is the process of sanctification in the Christian life. That which is polluted and impure will burn away while purifying the repentant people of God who grow more and more in ways that God delights in. What this means is that those who repent in their lives grow more and more in, like Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit purifies them, sanctifies them, refines them. This is the process of bearing good fruit in the Christian life. Friends, do you see the Spirit working in your life? removing your sins, purifying you, making you more and more like Jesus. This is a promise that Christians especially will experience a type of fire in their lives. It won't be easy. And many times it will cost you things that you love so much. But how much greater it is to have union with Christ, communion with God in our lives. And the last image that we see is quite similar to the first one. We see that this mightier one has the winnowing fork in hand and is about to clear the threshing floor. And in ancient times, what they would do during the harvest is gather all their wheat and place it on a flat piece of land called the threshing floor. And instead of going through each and every piece of wheat, separating the grain and the chaff, they would basically use this winnowing fork, pick a bundle of wheat up, throw it in the air, and the wind would blow through and carry the chaff away while the wheat would fall onto the, onto the ground. And this is what they would do to separate it. The wheat is what does, is desired, the chaff is what is not so desired. And the separation happens. And we're told that the wheat is gathered up, stored into the barn, and the chaff will experience unquenchable fire. What is John trying to tell us this morning? Well, I think it might be tempting to think that the separation happens between the wheat and the chaff is a separation that happens between the world and the church. But remember, the wheat also grows with the chaff. Friends, this separation happens within all of the people of God, even for us in God's church, right? For we are the people of God in the 21st century. Remember the Pharisees and the scribes, they assumed that they automatically were part of the people of God, But that simply was not true. Some of us here sitting in this room are in need of hearing this warning. There's wheat in the church, but there is also chaff. One will be stored up, but the other will experience unquenchable fire. And the separation will happen. The winnowing fork is in the hand of Jesus. The axe is at the root of the tree. I hope that you can hear this urgent call to repentance given by John the Baptist. This is what the message means. There is urgency and a warning, but also an invitation. However, if it were up to us to confess our sins, to see our sins, or repent from them, we would all be doomed. There would be no hope. The good news is that John's message of repentance is not the end, but it is a prelude to the beautiful song that will come from the mightier one, Jesus Christ. For he comes to make a way for repentance. This baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire is one that is done by the Spirit of Christ in the believers' lives, giving them life and vitality, purifying them, cleansing them, and making a home in the believer. And here we see God establishing communion with him through Christ. A fellowship that can never be broken. And only then do we see the fruit of repentance come about in the believer's lives. Only then will we be like wheat stored up into the barn. When Christ returns, those who repent, those who grieve their sins day after day, know that the Spirit is working in your life. I hope you can find great hope enjoy in that and there will be a day where god's people will be gathered a day where sin will be no more a day where we will dwell with the one who has come lived died and rose again and there we will gaze upon the beauty of the lord friends are you like wheat or are you like chaff do you see the fruit of repentance upon your life Perhaps do you bear no fruit? May we hear God's urgent call to us this morning. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And let us see Christ, for he alone is our hope, who comes and sends his spirits, baptizing his people. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this great hope that Christians have, that your spirit is working that you are not stagnant, you are not silent, you are not far, but you are ever-present and faithful, God, in the believers' lives. And Lord, this message of repentance that John preaches, Lord, I pray that we can heed his warning, see that repentance is something that we all need and desire, and as we kick off 2023, help us to seek you and all that you do. Help us to seek the fruit of repentance upon our lives, relying upon your spirit more and more each and every day we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca